kind of lose my voice, so you might get a short sermon just because I'm going to just rush through this thing, and uh, that way I don't have to talk so long, but I'm probably not going to do that, so don't get your hopes up. Um, <clears throat> last week, uh, Dan gave an introductory sermon kind of outlining who we are, why we exist as a church, um, and and so this week, um, we're going to continue that as we go through who we are, and we're going to be... Um, it's not everybody's aware of this. In our uh, documents of our church, we have a handbook with our bylaws, our statement of faith. I'm sure that you're aware of that part, but not everybody's aware of the acronym of WIFE, W-I-F-E, being Worship, Instruction, Fellowship, and Evangelism, Edification. Um, and so as we <clears throat> are going through the next few weeks, we're going to be kind of going through that acronym. And so Dan asked if I would want to um, preach the sermon on worship, and I said, sure, let's go for it. And so here I am. Um, but worship... I want us to understand is far um, more than just the, the singing of psalm, songs on a Sunday morning um, on a Lord's Day worship service. It's more than just, um, I mean, there's a lot of churches who have on their staff a worship pastor, um, which is, to them, in their language, that means the singing guy, um, essentially. But that's not uh, what worship is. I mean, certainly worship includes singing, um, but it's far more than that. And so to use the term worship pastor is really a misnomer. It doesn't make a lot of sense to say that someone is the, um, I mean, really our pastors, our elders um, should be worship pastors altogether. I mean, we are leading the the congregation into worship. We're modeling worship. We are being, um, we're the people who are showing uh, what it means to worship and, and leading the congregation into those things. That's what that's supposed to be. And so all of us um, who are um, pastors or elders of the church should be considered worship pastors. Um, it's far more than just the songs that we sing. We should always be seeking in all that we do on a Sunday morning and, and really in all of our life. Um, but when we're talking about this, uh, the worship of the church, the purpose of the church, we're talking about the corporate gathering of worship this morning, primarily. Um, and so our, wor- our bodies, our lives, our entire being should be in a posture of worship all the time. Um, but when we come together here, there is a purpose behind it, and that is to worship God. And that should be more than just, okay, you have come together and you've sang a few songs, and now it's your turn to just be spectators and watch. No, um, that's certainly not the case. Um, this morning, as we began in song, you should have been worshiping. And as we opened with a reading of Scripture um, for our call to worship, you should have been worshiping God as His Word was read and as we prayed. Um, and the, when the offering was given, you should have been worshiping God through sacrificial giving. Um, when meet and greet was going on, we, we are, that's an act of worship. As we edify the body of believers and we build one another up, we help um, to encourage people in our church body. That's worship. That's a, an offering to God to offer, um, to, or to, to offer edification and, and building up of our um, brothers and sisters at church. Um, you should have been worshiping as Tim read our mission letter. And as we prayed for our missionaries, you should have been worshiping God and, and thanking him that, that we have people who have been sent to give the gospel. As, as we prayed for them, that is an act of worship as well. Then more, as we continued in song, and as the scriptures were read again, and even now as I'm up here preaching, you're not just spectators, you are um, participating in worship, or should be. Your attentiveness to God's word and seeking to apply it is worship. Nothing that we do here should be done as, okay, well, there's the people on the stage and then there's the audience. That's not what this is. We worship for an audience of one, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not worshiping. Um, so I'm, whenever I get up here and sing songs, it's not so you guys will be like, hey, that Jubal, he really knows how to bring a worship service. Um, and whenever people say, hey, worship was really good today, I don't have any control over that. I, I don't get to dictate what kind of worship is is going on because that's in your, it's a heart posture. Um, it's more than simply 
the music. I mean, if you want to say the music was good this morning, sure. If you leave here thinking, man, the worship was really bad today, well, that's more on you than it is on me. If you're really, what you're thinking, though, if you're thinking the music was really bad today, sure, that, that's on me. I get that. Um, but if, as far as the worship goes, that's in our hearts. It's a heart posture towards the Lord. And so worship is done um, by the power of the Spirit, but it's done um, within us and together as a body. And so we, are sh- we should be active worshipers seeking to glorify God through the corporate worship gathering. And so um, the first point is that the church gathers primarily uh, to worship God. <coughs> Excuse me. When we talk about corporate worship, uh, we mean the gathered body of believers. We mean um, not corporate, not as in corporation, high-rise office kind of thing, but corporate as in the definition of being shared by members of a group of, of, with a shared belief. Um, and so we, this group of gathered believers who have a shared purpose, a shared belief, are worshiping corporately, worshiping God corporately to build a spiritual temple to our living God. Um, if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, very briefly, um, we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Um, <clears throat> So we're not a social gathering coming together to enjoy time together, though we do enjoy the social aspects of coming together on Sunday mornings. I I enjoy seeing my brothers and sisters in Christ on Sunday morning, but that's not why I'm here, or it shouldn't be. Um, We aren't gathering um, for any purpose other than to worship God. And so when we we are serving as the dwelling place for God by the Spirit— what, what that means is that when we come together corporately, there's something specific and special that happens. And I don't have time to go completely into that. I did that in a whole sermon a few months ago. If you want to go back, it was the 31st of July. No, it's not a plug. That's just if you want more information on Ephesians chapter 2. Um, <clears throat> you can go there and, and listen. And, and if you heard it the first time, cool, get a refresher. If you didn't, then you can understand more fully what it means that when we come together, we're building a spiritual house for the Lord. We're building a temple for the Lord. In the Old um, Covenant, in the Old Testament, they met in the, um, in the temple, well, originally in the tabernacle, and in that Holy of Holies, is, that was where God's dwelling place was. So while he's definitely omnipresent, he had a specific dwelling place where God met with his people. In the temple, he had the same, the Holy of Holies, where he, that was his dwelling place. And today, though he is certainly still omnipresent, he does meet with us in a special way when we come together on Sunday morning to worship. There's something special that happens, specific that happens, when we come together for the purpose of praising God's name on Sunday mornings. We should be um, enjoying that presence of God in a special way, um, not just because we're here and we get to be around the people that we love, but we get to be around the people that we love, worshiping the God who saved us, the God that we love. Um, and so we gather primarily to worship God. We're here. That's the purpose of this of this meeting. We're not here um, for any other reason, really, though there are other secondary things that we do and enjoy. The purpose is worship. The purpose is to glorify God's name. Uh, the second point of this is um, this morning is that the worship of the church is to be done in the power of the Spirit and in accordance to the truth of Christ being directed toward the Father. That's a lot of words, so I'm going to unpack that a little bit. Um, and I, I do want to just go ahead and um, say, give credit where it's due. The bylaws um, have these points. I'm basically going through as this who we are, um, trying to give this an exposition of these um, 
verses that, that are given in, in um, our bylaws that talk about the worship. This is actually the word for word, the point that's in the bylaws. If you were to read it, you'd be like, wow, Jubal, rip off. But um, I ripped it off for a purpose so that we could understand why, as a church, we exist and what the, what the, uh, the documents of our church say the reason is for us to exist. And so I'm going to go through this. Um, <clears throat> the worship of the church is to be done in the power of the Spirit and in accordance to the truth of Christ being directed toward the Father. So that's, again, that's a lot of words. I want to make sure that we understand what that means. And so when we look at John 4, um, John 4, Jesus is um, speaking to the Samaritan woman, and <clears throat> she's, she's objecting, you know, well, you, we worship here, um, you, you Jews worship over there in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount, you know, who's to say who's right? Um, who's to say where the real worship happens? You say you're the right ones, we say that we're the right ones. And Jesus says, well, the time is coming and is now here um, when, uh, well, you know, I'm just going to read it. Let me just, I'm just going to read it. Um, makes more sense to take God's words instead of paraphrasing with mine. So <clears throat> Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So <clears throat> I want to unpack the spirit part first. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit, um, that being the Holy Spirit. Um, the unregenerate, the unsaved, people who have not trusted Christ, have not put their faith in Christ for salvation, are incapable of truly worshiping God. Um, I want that to be clear, that um, if, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you can sing the songs, um, you can pray um, along with, with us, you can hear the, the word preached, you can, hear all, you can have all these happening, but... There, you aren't capable of offering worship that is pleasing to God um, because you don't have a regenerate heart. Um, that's not to say that you can't have a regenerate heart. You certainly can. Christ ha has made a way for you to, to be saved. And so we want, even though this gathering is not evangelistic, um, we're not here this morning um, to lead more people to Christ, though we're happy if they come and we're happy if they're converted in our services. Um, it's just a little side thing here. When you are witnessing to people, if your witnessing is, hey, come to church this weekend, that's not actually sharing the gospel. Um, you have not shared the gospel, that you've not fulfilled the Great Commission. Christ said to go and make disciples of all nations. Um, and so just simply saying, hey, come to church this weekend, is not um, following the Great Commission. Even though it's a good and noble thing to invite people to church, do it. Feel free. We would, we're happy to accept them, and we're happy to have them here, and we hope they hear the gospel, and we hope that they're saved, and we hope that they become part of our, um, our body. But that's not what this is, the purpose of this is. Going back to the first point, the worship of the church, we're, we primarily gather to worship God. Um, that's what we're here for. And so we're happy if somebody comes who's not saved and who realizes their depravity and realizes that they need a Savior and realizes that they need to be, um, you know, that come under the lordship of Christ, we're, we're overjoyed when that happens. But that's not the purpose of what we're doing here. Because if you don't have the spirit, you can't worship God. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You can't worship God without the Holy Spirit. But 
the good news is that those who are believers in Christ, those who have been redeemed, those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. We've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and so we can worship Him in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can worship Him in the power of the Spirit. And so <clears throat> even though um, this isn't an evangelistic endeavor, um, that's actually... That's not a bug. That's the that's a feature. We're supposed to be um, doing this together, worshiping God together. And so, um, <clears throat> excuse me. The the other part of this, we are to worship, or the worship of the church is to, be, is to be done in the power of the Spirit and in accordance to the truth of Christ, being directed towards the Father. The truth being God's word. If any of us, if Dan gets up here on a Sunday morning, if I get up here on a Sunday morning, and I bring a song or a prayer or a sermon that is not in line with the scriptures, it's not acceptable worship to God. He's not pleased with that worship. He's not pleased with that sacrifice. It's not good. God expects to be worshiped in a certain way. He's told us how to worship him. He's told us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we have the truth. We have um, the Bible. And so we can say boldly, if I'm reading something in the Bible and I disagree, the problem's with me. The problem's not with the scriptures. And so I have to conform myself to God's word, not the other way around. And so when we worship, if we're going to worship in truth, the truth of Christ being directed towards the Father, that's speaking the truth of the scriptures. That's coming together, and as we hear, as we sing songs, that means I'm not going to pick songs that are uh, put out by heretics. And there's a lot of them. That There's a lot of heretical groups out there putting out worship songs for the church um, that are just blatantly false. Um, and even if they look good on the outside, they're fruit from a bad tree. We're not going to, to worship um, on, with those things because I don't believe that that's acceptable. Um, I think that we need to make sure that we're guarding against error, that we're standing firm on the truth. Um, we're not going to, if I'm praying something and I pray something that's not in line with the scriptures, God's not pleased with that. He's not pleased with that. He's not going to accept that sacrifice. It's not acceptable. Um, before him. If Dan preaches a sermon or if, or if anybody comes up here and preaches a sermon and we're, um, we say we're preaching the, the Bible, but we turn around and say something that's completely false and is not grounded on the scriptures, it's not acceptable worship. The worship of the church is to be done in the power of the spirit and in accordance with the truth of Christ. And all of that is directed towards the father. We're seeking to glorify God in all of that. And so even the songs we choose, um, I choose songs that I believe are going to be glorifying to, to the Lord that are not going to be um, unbiblical, but that are going to be bound, founded on this, on the truth of the scriptures. But if I'm doing it, cause it's like, you know, I think that people will really like that one. Um, that's all, that's the wrong motive too. Even though I hope that you do like the songs that we sing, I hope that you enjoy singing the songs that, that I bring. Um, that's not the purpose. All of this is to be directed toward the father. All of this is meant to be for the approval of God, not for, we're not seeking the approval of men. We're seeking the approval of our Lord. And the last thing um, this morning, the, or the last point, it's going to be probably the longest point as we go through this, is that worship always requires a sacrifice. Um, and that's where we're going to kind of park in Hebrews chapter 13 for a little bit. In Hebrews chapter 13, <clears throat> um, the author of Hebrews, who we don't know, um, we had a fun conversation, Dan and I, about who we think the author of Hebrews might be, um, but that would take... Along there could there's a lot of debate that could be that could go on about the author of Hebrews. My favorite theory, and you can ask me about it later. My favorite theory is that it's a sermon of Paul penned by Luke, because um, the uh, if you look in the 
the original languages. It's, it's not written like Paul. Um, it's written more like Luke, but it's, the content is a lot more like Paul. It's kind of a weird one, but we know it is inspired. We know that it's truth, and we're going we're gonna to trust it um, as we read this, that it's good um, and right. Excuse me. And so we're going to read Hebrews chapter 13 um, again, verses 12 through 16. Which says, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And so, again, we have the, if you've seen, you know, as we've gone through this, a lot of this has been talking about sacrifices and things being directed towards the Lord. Um, this especially um, culminates in verses 15 and 16, that this is a, that we have the sacrifice of praise, that these are sacrifices that are meant to be pleasing to God. So that's what we should be aiming for. Um, but our worship requires a sacrifice. And so when we start off here, and we could, we could have gone back a couple more verses, but basically what the author of Hebrews is, is calling back to is the Old Covenant sacrificial laws. As Christ was um, sacrificed outside the camp, we, so should we be willing to share in his reproach outside the camp. Being outside the camp is not a good thing. You don't want to be um, on the outside. In the Old Covenant especially, one of the major um, punishments was to be put outside the camp, to be put away as if you were no longer part of Israel. Um, and even today, when we have church discipline, um, we, we seek restoration. The purpose of church discipline is to seek restoration for the person to repent and to be forgiven and to, to be restored to fellowship. But the, the bad part is that sometimes people don't repent. People don't, um, excuse me, people don't um, seek forgiveness and they don't repent of their sin and they have to be basically put outside, um, put away from the body. They're treated as unbelievers. And so we, at that point, we try to evangelize them instead of treating them as if they're one of our own uh, part of the flock. And so, but that's not a good thing. You don't want to be outside the camp. You don't want to be um, away from the gathered um, people. But part of, um, in the Old Covenant, there was a, a curse associated with being put outside the camp. And that's where Christ was sacrificed. That's where Christ was killed. Um, Jesus suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. And so his being put away, his being put outside was actually for our good, remember, because he died um, sinlessly. He died. He lived perfectly. He never, he didn't deserve to die. We did. And he took our place. Um, But then that's why in verse 13, we have this command to identify with him. Therefore, therefore, because he suffered outside the gate to sanctify his people, therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. We should count it joy to, to bear his reproach. We should count it joy to, to take part in his sufferings. And that's actually really difficult. But when you think about um, the apostles, when they were brought in and told, stop preaching in this name, they said, well, we're going to obey God rather than men. And then they said, well, okay, let's just beat them. And so, but then it says that they went away rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the sake of the name. Um, that's, that's hard for us to, to wrap our minds around. But they rejoiced in their suffering. Um, 
Paul also many times was told, stop doing this. Don't say these things. Don't preach in Christ's name. Um, and he received stonings and, um, you know, all kinds of other terrible things happened to him. And he didn't stop. He didn't say, you know what? They, they convinced me this time. I'm going to hang it up. No, he said, I'm going to keep preaching Christ. I'm going to keep ensuring that I can tell more and more people about the Christ that I serve, the Christ who saved me, and I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to save more. He continued, and that so should we. Let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. There's a world around us, and it's it's easy to want to be a part of things. It's easy to, I mean, there's a whole thing called FOMO, you know, fear of missing out, that, you know, it, you want to be a part of things. It's normal, it's natural to want to be a part of what's normal, you know, to be a part of, of the, the, the things that are going on, going on around you. And so whenever, whether it's work, you know, when you're in your workplace and there's a certain, um, you know, dialect that's not holy, um, <clears throat> sometimes it's, it's tempting to want to just be part of that, to say, you know, I want to, I want to fit in, and so I'll compromise a little bit to do so where it'd be a lot harder to say, actually, I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm not going to take part in the, the crude joke. I'm not going to take part in talking like that. That's a hard stand to take. And it's not like China where they'll you know, imprison you and kill you, but it is hard to be ridiculed. It's hard to be ridiculed. Um, it's hard to be outside of, of what's normal, but we have to be willing to, to suffer the reproach that Christ endured. There's a lot of ways. I mean, if you think about it, just, just think in your mind, how might reproach look for us today? I mean, in our context, probably not as severe as it is, like I said, in China. You know, in China, they're meeting under threat of imprisonment and death. Well, we should be willing to do the same. But a lot of times, we're not even willing to meet under the threat of people making fun of us and calling us bigots. Um, simply for saying that the scriptures are true and we're going to follow God. We won't even stand up to that a lot of the time. Um, we are tempted in a lot of ways to avoid reproach by compromising. Think how much more it would be tempting in in China or in any of these places where it's basically life or death to be a Christian. How, how much more tempting would it be to compromise to avoid some of that pain? But we're called to do what Christ did, to suffer with him, to suffer the reproach that he endured, that that's a sacrifice. I mean, when we talk about worship requires a sacrifice, it's a sacrifice to, to give up even just status, to give up, you know, being part of the crowd. It's, it's a sacrifice. It's also a sacrifice to, you know, maybe die for Christ, maybe a big, definitely a bigger sacrifice, but uh, we should be willing to suffer any of them. We should be willing to suffer any of those reproaches because Christ sacrificed for us and he didn't deserve a single bit of it we ought to be willing to suffer the reproach that he endured. Um, and so let us go to him outside the camp and bear that reproach that he endured. And so then, um, verse 15, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So there's... <clears throat> When we talk about the sacrifice of praise, we're talking about, um, especially here, we're talking about people who are being persecuted for following Christ. So the sacrifice of praise is simply the fruit of lips that acknowledge Christ's name. Simply saying, I am with Christ. 
was enough to be a sacrifice for these people. And it is often the same for us in much milder ways, but it's still a sacrifice. We are sacrificing to identify with Christ. We are sacrificing to say, I'm not going to take part in that because that's wicked. I'm not going to take part in that because that's evil. I'm not going to take part in that because that does not honor my Lord. That's a sacrifice, and it's a difficult one. Um, and there's a lot of small sacrifices that are often made in our, in our worship, but that is one specific where we, we bring the sacrifice of praise to God. Fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, not neglecting to do good and sharing what we have. All these things are sacrifices. All these things are difficult. It's not easy um, to share what we have. And so, but when you think about the old covenant sacrifices, it seems like our sacrifices, are, though different, are a lot easier. I mean, think about it. They had the burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, the, the sin offering, the guilt offering. They had all these different things, and all those things had their different contexts, and, and all, all the holy days had different types of sacrifices that had to be made, and there's different things that had to be done in the Old Covenant. And it was, it was I would say, probably kind of burdensome to say, okay, at this time, well, I've got to make sure I have enough money to get uh, you know, a good sheep here. Um, and well, we, we're broke, so we get to bring a dove, lucky us, but it's still kind of a financial burden. Even that dove is a financial burden for us. It was difficult. That was a, it was burdensome at times for them to worship God. But the sacrifices that we bring are not um, slaying animals and not the, doing those things because Christ already offered that sacrifice for us. He's the blood offering that covers, that the blood offering to end all blood offerings, literally. There is no more offering needed. There is no more sacrifice needed um, for sins. We are believers in Christ, and so when we trust in Him, His blood covers us. We don't have to, to sacrifice sheep and goats and, and doves and, and cows and whatever else. We don't have to do those things anymore. We have Christ's sacrifice for us, but now there's different sacrifices in the New Covenant um, that when we are sacrificing today, and these are the sacrifices that are enumerated in our bylaws um, also, just as a, I don't know, disclaimer maybe. But basically to say, this is all found right there in our bylaws, in our church handbook, in our church documents, that we are to offer ourselves, that we are to offer uh, um, a sacrifice of walking in love toward one another, that we're offering sac- uh, financial gifts, and then the sacrifice of praise. And under that I put the, the lips that acknowledge his name, doing good and sharing what we have, as we see in the text this morning from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. Um, the sacrifice of praise, lips that acknowledge his name, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Remember, all of this is sacrificial um, giving of ourselves and of, our, um, and of what we have to the Lord. And so I want to just briefly touch on each one of these things and to think through. I just want us to, to give thought to all of these things. So when we talk about sacrificing ourselves, if you want to go to Romans 12 with me really quickly, we're, I'm going to read it. Um, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but I'm going to go ahead and um, read it um, out loud here. Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so if I'm going to offer myself um, on the altar to God, that means that, I mean, if if I'm a living sacrifice, that means I am not my own. No part of me can say, well, I'm going to hold that part back from God. If I'm a living sacrifice, the whole me is there. And so that means even the sacrifice, okay, 
This is a sacrifice to some people and not to others. But sometimes the sacrifice of waking up in time for church and coming and worshiping God on Sunday morning, that's a sacrifice for some people because I had a late night. I don't want to get up. I'll just go next week. It's a sacrifice to say, no, it's Sunday. We're worshiping God. When, if my kids ever say, hey, what are we doing tomorrow? And it's a Saturday. Um, I think I've failed a little bit because they should know. No, it's, it's church day. Um, they're out of town right now. So that's kind of falls flat a little bit, doesn't it? But basically, in the majority of Sundays, there's 52 Sundays a year, they're going to be in church for the majority of them. And they're going to know that. They're not, they're going to be surprised to find, oh, we're not going to be in church tomorrow? Huh. Weird. That's strange. Because the normal thing for us to do is to, to get up and worship God. And I'll tell you, for Maylee, it's a sacrifice to wake up early. Um, she has a hard time waking up a lot of times. She just, she just does. She's a heavy sleeper. And if you let her, she'll sleep till 11 o'clock. That's just Maylee. She is, which is a blessing and a curse um, <clears throat> for us as parents. But it is a sacrifice to say, yes, I'm going to get up and, and worship this morning. Because she would rather be sleeping in a lot of the time. It's a sacrifice. Also, there's things like, how about sports? That's a tough one because a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, it's travel ball season, so we're only going to be here for the next, you know, two out of the next 10 Sundays. Sorry, pastor. Um, That's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. You're saying our sports stuff is far more important to us than um, than the worship of the church on the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day worship is non-negotiable. If it's a choice between do we worship God or do we make sure our kid gets in a good travel ball team? I'm sorry, we're going to church. It's, there's no question. We, it's not, I don't understand it. And we say, why are our kids leaving the faith when they grow up? Oh, maybe it's because you told them that it was better to go be a baseball player um, than it was to worship God. That's a sacrifice, though, especially for, um, for somebody young who maybe doesn't understand it fully. But you know what? If, if Maylee, who is a believer, she's saved, she's baptized, she's trusted Christ as her Savior. If she gets to the point and she wants to play soccer and it's like, hey, we have Sunday games every week, the answer is going to be no. And she's going to have to understand the sacrifice. We're going to have to help her to, and walk her through that, understanding this is a sacrifice that you're making because the worship of the Lord is far more important than any, than any other thing. Whatever it might be, it, it, you know, well, I have, you know, I'm a concert pianist and I'm going to be out of town for the next 10 weeks or whatever. I don't know. I don't think that's really a thing anymore that much. But, you know, if it were, you're not going to, I'm sorry, but we're going to church. Um, the answer is church. We're going to be here. And that's, those are sacrifices, though. Those are, and, but they have to be um, at the front of our mind. We have to understand something that I might want to do by um, being part of this activity or that activity or that activity because I know it's far more important for me to be worshiping God with his people. It's far more important, but it's a sacrifice. If, and we can't say, well, God gets most of the Sundays, so it's fine. No, we want to give him everything because we're living sacrifices. And that means I am, myself is dead and it's all the Lord's. It's denial of self. Um, the next thing being walking in love toward one another. And you might hear me say that and say, that's not that hard. Okay, walk, you, that one, even as I read the list that was in our bylaws here, I'm like, okay, walking in love toward one another, that's not that difficult. But what about when you have a little argument on Facebook and you have to see him the next day at church? I've had that. And it's, you know what? Let's go to Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Um, that says Ephesians 5.2. We're going to look at Ephesians 4.32 through 5.2 where we have, 
Because <coughs> remember, the chapter divisions were added later. I think these go together. Um, I think this is all part of the same thought to say, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. There, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And so sometimes you have a disagreement, and it doesn't have to be Facebook. That's just what came to my mind because it's just so common. Uh, you have a little disagreement on Facebook, and then you have to go the next day. And it's not just pretending to be nice and getting through the day. If you're just like, okay, hey, brother, good to see you. Hope the family's well. You know, oh, I don't want to talk to that guy today. Had a rough day yesterday. That's not good enough. We are to forgive one another. And if there's been sin on our part, we are to confess it to the person that we sinned against. That's a sacrifice. It's difficult. It's hard. If any of you who are married in here know that it's hard to confess sin to someone. But if you're married, you should be confessing sin to someone pretty regularly because we sin against our spouses a lot, whether it's just with a harsh word or, um, you know, whatever else. Bad attitudes happen all the time, and then you end up... There's a lot of confession in marriage, or there should be, if you're doing it right. There's a lot of confession in marriage. We should be keeping short accounts with the people who are closest to us, and that includes marriage for sure. That's our closest neighbor. Um, loving our neighbor as ourselves means that my wife, my closest neighbor, is going to get, you know confessions a lot, and I'm going to be seeking forgiveness a lot. And she's going to be doing the same. We have to be doing that if we're Christians. And that's also here. We have close relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ who are here with us um, weekly, week in and week out. And there's going to be a lot of confession of sin if we're doing it right. We should be keeping short accounts of sin. We shouldn't have a long list that if I get in a fight with somebody um, tomorrow, that they can be like, well, this is just like when you did this and this and this and this and this. They shouldn't have that long account because there should have been forgiveness all the way back there at the beginning. We should be keeping short accounts of our sin with, uh, with the people who are close to us, and that's especially true of the, of the body of believers here. Part of our church covenant is to walk in unity, um, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That means that whenever I have a disagreement with somebody, I, I hash it out. We talk it out. We, we confess the sin that we've had. We seek forgiveness, and we make sure that there's a reconciliation, that there's fellowship with our brothers and sisters. We have to be doing that. And that's a sacrifice. It's hard. It is not an easy thing to say, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? Especially whenever it, if it got heated. And then you're like, I really don't want to tell him now because then I got to admit that I was wrong that whole time. Even if I wasn't wrong in what I said, I was definitely wrong in how I said it. I was definitely wrong in what I said, in, in what I said to them and in, towards them. I got to confess that. That's tough. It's not an easy thing. It's a sacrifice, but it's required. We can't worship God if we're out of fellowship with each other. Matthew 18, we, we're told, Jesus says, if, you have, if you're going to lay your, all, your offering down on the altar and you remember that you have something between you and your brother, go and resolve it first, or your sacrifice isn't accepted. So we can't worship if we have all these things between us, barriers of sin that we haven't confessed. And so walking in love toward one another takes sacrifice. It takes, uh, it's a difficult thing. It's, a, it's something that we have to do on the regular if we're going to be in fellowship with one another and in, you know, in a reconciled relationship with God and able to offer pleasing worship to him. I can't worship God in a way that he will accept if I have sin between me and my brother. I can't do it. The next thing, um, financial gifts. And... <clears throat> This one, you know, pastors always kind of squirm a little bit when it comes time to talk about money because people, people have 
this idea in there, like, that's all they want. They just want money. They just want a paycheck. Because you got guys like, you know, Kenneth Copeland and, and Joel Osteen who are sitting there on stacks and hiding money in the bathroom walls and whatever else. You know, you got some weird stuff going on down there. And so it is, people, you know, pastors can squirm a little when it comes time to talk about money. But we have to look at what is what we're told to do in scripture. Paul says, don't muzzle the ox when they're treading the grain. The, the worker is worthy of his wages. And so we shouldn't be like when Dan and Crystal came, if we had said, okay, we know you're moving across from California, but we're going to make sure that you are serving the Lord with the bare minimum amount of money that we can give you. You better find another job because you're not going to make it on this salary and that'll keep you humble. What is it? What is it? God will keep him humble and we'll keep him poor. Um, it's, you know, it, but that's what, there's churches that really have that mindset. We shouldn't. We should be giving financial gifts um, to the Lord, to the church, to the, to the good of the church. I mean, we have missionaries that we support that can't do their work if we're not giving. We have a pastor um, who, he moved from California. So it, if we said, you know what, we're just going to stop giving and hope for the best. I'm sorry, no, we, we got to support the people who are, um, who are serving the Lord here. And, um, I, I get a paycheck too. So, I mean, that too. But, you know, if that has to go away, I understand. But, I mean, still, what I mean is we, we have to be willing to give um, because this work is not easy. Um, it's, it's a difficult work. And so it's, it's something that is worthy of its wages. And also, when we give, we should be giving sacrificially. It should not be like, okay, well, you know, I, I know I made, you know, 10 grand last week, but I'm going to just drop a dollar in the pot and say it's good to go. That's not a sacrificial gift. That's, that's like, you know, if I were to drop, you know, a penny. Um, I don't make $10,000 a day. So, um, but that, that'd be like, if I, I mean, I put a penny in. That's not a sacrifice. Um, sometimes, for some people, it is. But to give sacrificially means that we're giving, and sometimes it's a little uncomfortable. There's been times that we're, we get to the end of the month, and there's too much, what is it Dave Ramsey says, there's too much month at the end of your money. Um, and there's, and you're like, okay, well, we're just going to have to trust the Lord because we have to give. We, it's, it's not an option. Again, it's just like, we're not, it's not like, hey, are we going to go to church tomorrow? No, we're going to church tomorrow. Are we going to give to the to the good of the church and to the work of the of the Lord through our church? Absolutely, we're going to give. It's not a question. We're giving, um, and so when you look at Philippians um, chapter four verse eighteen, that's the verse that we have in our bylaws that that talks about this and it says, "I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God." It pleases God when we give of what we have financially to support people who are doing work for the Lord. And, and also, whenever you see a guy on the on the side of the road who, you know, homeless vet or whatever, can't afford a house or I mean whatever there's a lot of different signs out there and, and you never know what to believe honestly you see the signs you're like I'm not sure well if you're if you're always if your default is I'm definitely not going to help that guy I'm definitely not going to help anybody here I'm definitely not going to give anybody help there that's probably not a good default to have um, we don't know their hearts we don't know uh, their their situation but we do know that the Lord knows our hearts and so we should be giving trusting that the Lord is going to, to guide us in our giving and he's going to be pleased with the giving that we, um, that we take part in. And so we should be giving financially, not just to the church, although, again, we have missionaries, we have pastors, we have, we have light bills, we got all, this, all the stuff that is required for us to continue to be a church, to continue to come together and, and worship the Lord each week. We want to make sure that all those things can continue. We don't want to have to call a missionary and say, hey, 
Um, we didn't quite make tithes this week. Um, we're going to have to you know, cut you this month. That's, that's not a conversation anybody wants to have, and it's not a conversation that should, ha- should be had. We should be willing to say, hey, we've still got you. We're, gonna, we're faithfully giving, our church is faithfully giving, and we're making sure that the work of the Lord is going to continue that there's going to still be people that, that, you know, the McCutcheons that we talked about this morning, they're not going to say, well, Covenant Life just dropped out from their giving, you know, and then oh, this other church dropped out of their giving, or this church dropped out of their giving, and now we have to go home. No, we want to make sure that they can stay on the field and, and keep bringing the gospel to the nations. It, we never want it to be because of our lack of um, sacrificial giving that some missionary has to come off the field. We want to make sure that we are continually serving the Lord by our, uh, by our giving. Um, and the last thing, and we've already kind of really gone into this with Hebrews 13, um, but the sacrifice of praise. And it is a sacrifice. It is difficult sometimes. There are times that, um, that it's harder than others. There are decisions that have to be made where we say, the government says this, but God says this, and I'm going to do what God says. But that's also part of submitting to the governing authorities, is submitting to the consequences when we disobey. Paul um, disobeyed the governing authorities on several occasions, but he also wrote in Romans 13, submit to the governing authorities. You have to reconcile that. Well, he submitted to the consequences. He didn't, um, he didn't stop preaching. He didn't obey everything they said, but he submitted whenever he had to disobey. And we have to do the same. We have to be willing to, you know, there's difficult choices that have to be made sometimes if we're going to continue to acknowledge Christ's name, if we're going to continue to do good in our communities and and share what we have and do all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. There's going to be decisions that we have to make where we say, okay, you know, our, our local mayor doesn't like us doing this, but we have a command from God. What are we going to do? The answer is we're going to do what God has told us to do. Spoiler alert. Um, that's not actually a question we're asking. Um, we, if, if ever we come to come before you as a church and say, hey, what should we do? The government says this, but God says this. You might need to find some new elders at that point. Because, hey, we're, if we're asking the question of, hey, should we serve God? Should we continue to obey him? I, I think we've gone astray somewhere. If I ever ask that question to you, hey, um, God says this, but um, I was told to do this by my employer. What do you think I should do? Fire me. Fire me. No way. There's no way that I should be asking you, hey, should I follow God or man? It's not a question that should be asked. The sacrifice of praise is a difficult sacrifice sometimes, and there's going to be hard decisions, and you're going to have to trust God when you say, hey, I might lose my job over this, but I'm going to trust that God's going to provide because I'm being faithful to him. That's hard. But all these things are the, the sacrifices that we make as a church. When we come together, we are. We are worshiping. We gathering primarily to worship God. We, we don't want to do this. It's not to, to evangelize, even though we're happy, like I said, to evangelize when people are here. We want them to hear the gospel. It's not to get together with our friends, though we love that. But we're gathering primarily to worship our Lord. We're worshiping Him in spirit and in truth directing our worship toward the Father, and we're offering the sacrifices of our praise, of ourselves, of walking in love toward, another, toward one another, of our financial gifts. So we're giving of ourselves, of our whole selves, to honor the Lord and to make sure that His name is known. And then when we go from this place as a church, there is evangelism. That's part of the Y acronym. Remember, it was worship, instruction, fellowship, evangelism, 
and edification. So technically it's wifey. But that's we're going to stick with wife because wifey is kind of cringe. But um, <clears throat> worship, and then but the part part of the the purpose of the church is evangelism, and we're going to get to that in a few weeks. Dan's going to keep going through the acronym, and he's going to keep going through the purpose of our church. So this week we're talking about worship. We're going to get to instruction. We're going to get to fellowship. Those things are good. We're going to get to evangelism. That's an imperative. Christ told us to go and make disciples of all nations. We're going to get to edification. We're going to, those things are important and they matter. We have to do them. Um, but when we come together in this room, the purpose is to glorify God's name together. The purpose is to build a spiritual house for our Lord where he can come and meet with his people. That's what we should be doing. And, we, and it requires us. It requires a lot of us sometimes. But we have to continue to do those things faithfully because God has told us to. That's the command we've been given. And so that's the command we're going to follow. Let's pray.